When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 1046 and 1 podcast, episode 9. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Kev, it's Saturday. What are you doing? Aren't these episodes coming out weekly? Took me a couple days to calm down, but I felt that this was definitely necessary. I, as you all know, am a very, very, very big enthusiast with sports. And I watched the Mavericks versus Clippers game on Thursday night, and I could not help but I throw a tantrum. It's <laughs> the only way to describe it. It's pretty bad. I was very, very frustrated. The team came out flat in the fourth. Uh, we were tied at one point, 101, 101, somewhere around the seven, six minute marker, something around that point. And Porzingis was hot. Porzingis was on fire. The man just dropped his 30th point, his 30th point, and Carlo had to call timeout because after he scored the 30th point on a free throw. Uh, we both exchanged uh, fast breaks, both missing, and then the Clippers got an, uh, a rebound, and then, oh no, we got a rebound, and Doc, and Rick Carlo had to call timeout. I mean, like you could look at the players, they were gasping, KP was gasping, he was playing majority of the third into the fourth, and then he was, I mean, the look on that man's face was death. I know it's ironic, we just talked about that last Wednesday, or should I say Tuesday, about how Porzingis has been on a tear. The man's averaging 30 points in the bubble since it started, but the Mavericks record does not reflect what he's doing. We are 1-3. Like I stated on Tuesday, we lost our first game to Houston. We then followed suit and lost to Phoenix, who I'll talk about later. We then barely beat the Kings in overtime, and then we went on to lose to the Clippers disgracefully. Final score being 126-111. That doesn't reflect the entire game as it went. Uh, as a Mavericks fan, I am proud that we fought them as hard as we did, but I'm definitely disappointed of how we let up. I mean, originally when I wanted to record this Thursday night, yesterday on Friday, I was just in a mindset of I'm going to tear them to pieces. I genuinely needed a few days to calm down because I was so upset that night that we lost the way that we did. I just genuinely could not get over it. And seeing the way that they handled everything just infuriated me. I mean... At the end of the game, people are smiling and laughing. Like, I understand we clinched the playoff spot. It doesn't really matter. But for seeding purposes, we weren't exactly in a good position that we wanted to be in when the bubble started. And we wanted to push up to potentially the fourth seed. But the way they were playing, we're lucky we can't fall the eighth, if not out of the playoff, because we are barely, barely holding it together. And it is just, I don't know. I really can't describe it. I know Memphis is right behind us and then Portland or Phoenix right after that. Or the uh, the Spurs, it's just the point of I am completely flabbergasted with how my team decides to settle. I mean, let's look at the box score. Kawhi Leonard, 29 points. The man didn't really start to go off until about late third, early fourth, which was when he usually comes to close it. He was 4 of 8 from the three-point line, 10 of 23 from the field. Uh, watching that game as closely as I did, intently as I did, to see how we, we would match up against them because this is the projected 
first round matchup for us in the playoffs, and I didn't like it. We were mismatched on all fronts. I mean, we really got beat by this guy Zubak. I I, I don't even know his first name. Hold on a second. Like, I, <laughs> the man Ivica Zubak. I, we lost to a fucking Pokemon. Like, the man dropped 24 points, 15 rebounds. Who is that? Like, <laughs> like seriously, who, who, who the fuck is this guy? 24 minutes. He played the least amount of minutes on the team. Right next to Shamit, who is pretty much just a roster filler to me because he's not really useful. He, I mean, he made a couple of shots. He made, no, not even. He was two for six. He made one three. Kid had five points. But he was plus 22 on the over-under. So what I'm getting at is we have no answer in the middle of the in, in, in the middle of the court. We had Boban starting at the five, but obviously we all know Boban is just a big body and Boban played six total minutes. And that was the first quarter and that was it. Boban had four four rebounds, two points, and he we all know he's just seven four to be seven four. He's not a big body like a Dwight Howard was. He's not a thick seven footer like a Mark Gasol is or was should I say since he's lost weight and he was getting beat up down low early he was getting beat on pick and rolls again like I said on Tuesday we for whatever reason cannot guard the fucking pick and roll and it's frustrating whether we decide to go over decide to switch or even go under someone's wide open at one point we do not know how to communicate mind you we hear them screaming and we hear them talking I don't know what they're saying they might just say fuck it leave them open at this point because that's how frustrated I'm getting but I am just not comprehending how one NBA professional franchise does not understand how to defend the basketball. And our shot selection in that game was atrocious. I, I, I really... Talking about it gets me frustrated, so I'm going to finish on the Clippers topic. Paul George went 10 for 21. So together, they went 20 for 44, which is under 50% of the field from their two superstars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That is incredible. Paul George missed some wide open looks. Paul George missed a couple of layups. Maybe wasn't getting a couple calls that I thought he even shouldn't have gotten. I'm a Mavericks fan, but I'm a realist. You know, certain contact, you like really didn't blow the whistle on that. Anyway, um, they only combined for a total of 40, 43 points. Excuse me, 53 points. That's not a lot. I mean, for those two, that's not, that, that, I, I don't feel that we got killed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like they abused us. We had multiple matchups on Kawhi. We put Dorian on him early, and, you know, Kawhi wasn't getting any looks. We tried putting uh, Maxi on him. Maxi really locked up. I think Maxi guarded him perfectly. I think Maxi Kleba did the best job out of everybody, if we're being completely honest, and I think he needs to get a little bit more burn. Um, but, you know, we rotated bodies. We had Tim Hardaway Jr. on him, and Tim isn't exactly the strongest guy in the world. He majority of the game guarded Paul George but I just cannot comprehend how we were not trying to figure out a solution we weren't trying to figure out an alternative method we didn't try switching the zone I mean for the most part we stayed man throughout that entire matchup and I get it you know zone has its negatives as well you know you, you feed the middle you kick it out you feed the middle and you just continue to beat us up I don't think zone would have made a difference but maybe you know changing it up maybe would have made them change their offense I don't know you know, you, we, we can all sit back here as people watching from the outside in and, and think that we have a better idea than a professional coach. And I, more than most people, would say that Rick Carlisle is one of the better coaches in the NBA. Bias aside, it's, the proof is in the pudding, winning percentage, NBA championship. 
Uh, he was was a solid NBA player. Respect from all players that have ever played for him or do play for him, other than Rajon Rondo when he came to the Mavs for that blockbuster trade uh, to bring him over there for a couple of weeks because he ended up quitting on us mid postseason against the Rockets. That's neither here nor there. I just I can't understand what's going through Rick's head. I mean, we watch post. I watch post game conferences. I watch post-game reviews, I follow them on Twitter, I follow the articles, the beat writers, pretty much everything you could think of, and everyone's saying that we're better than our record shows, we are a better team than what we've been displaying lately, but I just, I can't understand what it is that's happening, I mean, we compete all the way through and then we fall apart in the fourth, we don't understand how to, like I said, defend the pick and roll, and I mean, I don't know what happens at the end of these games for our players to genuinely decide to say, you know what, there's 24 seconds on the shot clock. We bring the ball up with about 19, 20 seconds, and I'm going to pull from three. No. Like, there are different ways to score the basketball, but in Dallas, I guess there is a, a disease, an infection to just say, we're not even going to attempt to drive to the basket. We are just going to throw up shitty shots. We at one point when I like I said earlier when we hit that six point or a six minute marker, we decided to just throw up everything possible, and it truthfully and honestly got me furious because the lead went from five points quickly to ten points, which then led it to being a fifteen point game, and it, it was six minutes. The the Clippers scored twenty five points in a matter of six and a half minutes. They scored a quarter's worth of points within half the time embarrassing it's frustrating it's to me it, it, it's probably the most disrespectful thing I could see a professional franchise like ours just getting completely demolished and our confidence getting crushed Trey Burke was in there Trey Burke uh, the big spark for the uh for the Houston game 32 points the, the man had what did he have I have the stat sheet right here Trey Burke had 11 points 5 of 15 shooting 0 for 7 from the three-point line 0 for 7. As a team, we were 17 of 48 from the three-point line. Explain to me why we feel the need to take damn near 53-point shots a game. Like, we are not the Golden State Warriors. Yes, we are one of the highest-scoring offenses in the NBA, and when we're on, it's amazing. But even the shots we take and we make, I'm like, that was not necessary. Like... I've always been a Tim Hardaway Jr. fan as early as his Michigan days, but even in New York, I say he really just throws up shots and hope they go in, excluding the all-star rookie sophomore challenge when him and Deion Waiters were going at it, shot for shot for shot, that Deion eventually ended up winning. It's the point Tim Hardaway Jr. needs to figure out what he's going to do. 36 minutes, 2 of 8 from the three-point line, 8 points. He had one dunk, and that's it. Come on, man. Like, Dorian Finney-Smith, not a shooter. He had a good night. I think Dorian played very well. Dorian, I normally am a little more harsh on. He had 12 points, 8 boards, and 3 assists. But the plus-minus, he was negative 24. I mean, he was guarding Kawhi majority of the night, so obviously he was at a disadvantage. Who knows? Maybe he was a little bit more tired. The same could go for Tim uh, in guarding Paul George and trying to make it as difficult as possible, even though Tim is, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and Paul's obviously 6'10", so you can shoot over him every time. But, I mean, if, if we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, I'm going to be brutally honest here and say that, obviously, everybody knows that 
well, not everybody, but the majority of my friends know that I was not a high Luka Doncic fan when we drafted him. I did not want him. I wanted Mo Bamba for various reasons. I just wanted a big body. I wanted someone to replace Tyson Chandler when he left. And we went and got Luka. I was very upset. I thought it wasn't going to work out. Obviously, I'm eating shit for those words. And he's a phenom. He's one of the top five players in the NBA, in my opinion. That is not biased aside. The numbers show it. Um, I mean, the man's a walking triple-double. Not a triple-double in the essence of Oscar Robinson or Russell Westbrook, but the potential is there. If Luka were to get one, it's not necessarily a shock. You know what I mean? And he's had a lot of, like, one assist off or one rebound off triple-double games all the time. So he's always, like, there. You know what I mean? He's always in the ballpark of getting it. And Luka went 10 of 21. Just under 50% from the field, 6 of 13 from the three-point line, and he had 29 points, 6 assists, and he had 3 rebounds. So not a Luka night, but I don't know. I'm, I'm watching the game again. The Clippers make it difficult. They had a lot of switches on him. Kawhi guarded him. Paul guarded him. Shamit guarded him. Um, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams weren't even, excuse me, Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly weren't even there. Uh, shout out to my coworker Cole, who called a Clippers finals win uh, back when before the season started when I actually got hired over at, at my job now uh, in October and I, I I mean I don't know what he saw in them he's a very big Montrez Harrell fan and he saw that Montrez or you know Trez was you know doing his thing coming off the bench dropping buckets shooting efficiently guarding you know one through four sometimes one through five very great player uh, very underrated Sometimes people disrespect him in a lot of manners, and I think that I disrespected him as well. And then he performed the way that he did again this season. He was, he was hooping. Uh, he unfortunately didn't get to play due to the passing of his grandmother, who passed from COVID. So he's been out of the bubble for a while. Uh, Patrick Beverly has been battling injury, limited minutes, and then not playing. So you can say that the Clippers beat us by 15 without two of their better defenders and two of their more, I wouldn't say Patrick's an effective member of their team offensively, but. Patrick is another body that can go out there and guard and be a pest, you know, get in people's head. And he, he, he is definitely a role player. I wouldn't say Patrick Beverly's uh, useless, as a lot of people would. Offensively, he's no big threat. I mean, if he's open at the three-point line, I'm not going to sit here and say that he ain't going to make it. But, you know, he's not somebody I'm worried about offensively when you have players like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the team. Even Lou Williams coming off the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, I fear... Montrez Harrell more than I fear. Um, wow, I just went blank. Oh, Pat Bev going off. You know what I mean? Pat can score the ball. He can figure it out. He's a small guard. He can. He's very uh, crafty. I'm not like I said. I'm not saying he's a bum, but he definitely makes a difference on that team. And again, we lost by 15 with a team that does not have those two players, and that does not leave me with much confidence for this team. You know, uh, a cer- certain shots, certain possessions. I'm just looking and I'm watching. I'm like, all right, guys, come on, let's let's run an offense, let's run a play, let's run a, a, a pick and roll, back screen, back door, what something, please set a hedge. Like, I I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I want to go out there and I want them to listen to me, but if they're not listening to one of the better coaches in the league, or if they're not playing efficiently as they should, playing as efficiently as they should, I I, I think it's something deeper. I don't know if it's cockiness, arrogance. Uh, inability to focus I, I don't know and I was talking to my friends uh shout out to Rick Nick and AJ as per usual uh the bubble is made for shooters the distraction of the crowd isn't there it's silent it is just a shooter stroke you know what I'm saying peace and quiet is what every shooter wants and needs aside from 
you know, like pick up ball, everybody going, hey, as someone shoots or, you know, trying to make a noise as you're shooting the basketball for professionals, that's nothing. The crowd noise, the stadium noise, the, 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 that's, that's what really gets into certain people's heads. So we don't necessarily have sharpshooters like Golden State had a few years ago with Kevin Durant, you know, Clay and Steph, three of the best shooters in the league. I mean, you know, when Timmy's hot, obviously he's got a stroke. When Luke is hot, I wouldn't say he's got a stroke. He's in the lower 30s of three-point percentage. A lot of them are forced, in my opinion. Again, talking with Rick earlier in the week, a lot of times it's just unnecessary. I mean, some of these step-back threes were just like, why? Why are you isolating your matchup for 14 to 16 seconds when we could have run a play in those in that time? You know, again, 16 three-pointers. Again, he made six of them, so he's just under 50. I shouldn't be complaining, but... In a game like that, in a game that was that close, in a game in which we could have realistically won, some of his shot selection was just unnecessary because that miss turned into him complaining to the ref. That miss turned into him not getting back on defense. That miss led them to a fast break. You know what I mean? Like at one point, I believe we were both we both teams had four timeouts. The Mavs had one before the game was even over, like in the Clippers still at all four. And the only reason they called one timeout was to sub out their stars. We just, we tried to break up their, their, their runs. And I believe they ended the game on a 25 to like seven run or something like that. It's embarrassing. It's frustrating. Like now I'm getting louder because it's just remembering and thinking about it just gets me agitated. We're better than that. We're stronger than what they show. And we went out there and we just shat the bed. We'd laid down and they took it from us, and it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? KP's out here doing what he's got to do. Shout out to my previous episode where I called out and said that the man is on a tear. He's coming for people. And he went out there and showed it again. Again, Carlisle only pulled him at the eight-minute mark because you literally, as they went to commercial break, you can see Kristaps gasping. And I mean, like, <gasps> they had, like I stated previously, ran two or three fast breaks with all of them leading to misses and nobody getting really a break to, like, settle into the defensive position where they can, like, actually take a breath. And Rick had to call timeout because, I mean, like, we were winded. He didn't come back in until about the four-minute marker. And at that point, it was a little out of hand. Uh, certain people just taking bad shots, uh, forcing up jump shots, forcing up tough layups. I, I can't even say layups. I mean, we barely went for any of them in my opinion, but it's the point we didn't drive. We didn't really pull anybody into the paint. We had more free throws than them. We had 21 free throws and the Clippers only had 15 or excuse me. Yeah. 15 free throws. We can blame it on a lot of things. I can blame it on a lot of things. I mean, the turnover matchup, they had six to our... I can't read, apparently. I don't know. Oh, I'm at the bottom. Sorry. Uh, seven. So it wasn't even a sloppy game. <laughs> I don't know why. Sometimes I forget buttons. That's just my rant. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I'm frustrated. I personally think, and again, a lot of people bash me for being so negative, but I really do think the Mavs is an early sweep. I think it's a four-game straight consecutive sweep. There's no home court advantage. The Clippers are rolling. They're going to get players back soon. I wouldn't say they're rolling, but you know what I'm saying? A game like that where they almost lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to to come back and, you know, dominate us as quickly as they did, it just goes to show that we're outmatched. I mean, if we're going to go position by position, technically Luka plays the two or the three, but he runs the point for us, so he's going to be a better matchup than a Pat Beverly. He is going to be a better matchup than a Lou Williams. To me, Luka just affects the game more. If we're going to go shooting guard to shooting guard, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is better than Shamit. Small forward, obviously, depending on who runs it, whether that's Paul George or Kawhi, 
the we're we're outmatched on both of those fronts. And then at the at the five, Zubak clearly just bodied whoever the hell decided to guard him. So I mean, they beat us in that re- in that regard. I personally would have liked to see Kid Gilchrist entered into the game when Kawhi got hot, just as a defensive body. He got to the bubble a little late, but just somebody to change it up, give Dorian some of a break. Yes, Kid Gilchrist is an offensive liability, but he is a body out there, a fresh body. Maybe that would have thrown Kawhi off a little bit in the fourth. I don't know. Kawhi's mid-range is automatic. Kawhi at the free throw line, for the most part, automatic. So... There's a list of things. Again, I'm not a professional. I play pickup basketball here and again. I've played in some some rec league games back home in New York, but nothing of the sort of like high school or college or anything like that. So I I don't know shit, <laughs> if I'm being honest. This is just a, an upset fan. This is just someone that is frustrated, and this is just someone that knows that their team is better than what they're showing and putting out there, and they're basically rolling over and saying, I don't care. I give up. Their attitudes just, they didn't seem into it towards the end of it, and it is what it is. A lot of people are, are, are telling me that I'm crazy, that Luka can really change the series. Luka might go hot and go off and maybe get a game. I mean, if, if Luka and KP can consist, consistently keep up this effort, who knows? Maybe, maybe we take one or two. Maybe. I And I, I again, that's a highly, highly, highly maybe. <laughs> I just don't think that we can keep it up for a seven-game series. If we do, I will shut up and just continue to watch from afar and, you know, narrate or enter podcast episodes. But this this episode mainly was out of frustration. I really just wanted to come out here and, you know, express how upset and frustrated I was. So to those of you that are like, yo, is he ever going to shut up about this? No, I'm not. <laughs> I really am not. I just, I think we need to do a lot more. I think we need to put a lot more effort. I think we need to run them like high school people and college people and and, and certain coaches would in certain fronts, but we need to get it drilled in their heads that we cannot continue to take these jump shots and settle for garbage. We cannot continue to play horrible defense and then expect to have a shooting match in every single game. Like we are not going to outscore every team in the league. We are not going to be able to lock up every team in the league, but to give them wide open shots and then make no effort into trying to collapse. I, I don't know. I'm going to let it go and go to the next topic because it's it's an endless cycle. A lot of people are telling me that the Lakers are looking like crap. A lot of people are telling me that the Lakers are not looking like championship contenders. And to that, all I'm going to say is shut up. Like, you are literally the top seed in the West. You clinched the one seed within three games of the bubble, and you don't need to do anything else. Like, you clinched the seed. Why do you need to play hard? Why does LeBron James need to go for 25, 8, and 10? Why does AD need to drop 40, 10, and 5? Like, tell me, explain to me as a sports fan or as a basketball fan why the Lakers need to play hard if they've already locked up their, where they need to be. Frank Vogel would have rested his players regardless if the season would have continued towards the end or he would have just cut their minutes to a shorter time. Bron didn't even play the last game when they lost to Houston. Like, who cares? When LeBron James wants to turn it on, everybody in the NBA is well aware it's time. Everybody knows AD can go off and drop 35 whenever he wants. There's not really there's not really many fours and fives that can guard him. So, Deion Waiters is doing his thing. Alex Caruso is doing his thing. You know, the, the, the supporting cast of the Lakers is doing what they need to do on their fronts. But 
who's to say LeBron's kind of not coasting? Who's to say he's not relaxing? Why, why do we need to play intense basketball when the playoffs don't start for another week? There's no reason to risk it. There's no reason to go go out there and have them get hurt to play in a meaningless game. Because in essence, it's it's meaningless. They're not fighting for another seed. They're not fighting for the best record or home court. It doesn't matter anymore. The Lakers are fine. So they will get it together when they need to get it together. They will do what they need to do to go out there and compete in the West in the playoffs. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Because I'm, I'm tired of seeing these reporters. I'm tired of seeing these analysts saying, are the Lakers able to compete in the Western Conference playoffs if they continue to struggle? They're not struggling, stupid. They're not trying. What do they need to try for? <sighs> People just don't understand basketball. It's frustrating. But, I mean, one team that understands basketball is the fucking Phoenix Suns. And, again, shout out to my friend Nick. Devin Booker is on a tear. The Phoenix Suns are 4-0 in the bubble. They are the only undefeated team left in the bubble. And I think that they could definitely find a way to make a run into that playoff or play-in spot. Somehow, some way, I'm looking at the standings right now. The Suns are tied with the Pelicans for the 11th seed at 30-39. and 39. The Pelicans, are, excuse me, the Spurs are in the 10th seed at 30-38. and 38. The Trailblazers are 32-38, and 38, and the Grizzlies are 33-37. and 37. Realistically, I really think that it's possible the Suns find a way to sneak in. I, I If they keep this level of play up, uh, I don't see the Pelicans making it out. I don't see the Spurs finding a way to do it. Portland's hot, or should I say Damian Lillard's hot. He dropped 45 the other night. I mean, Logo Lillard, uh, for those of you that disrespect the Carmelo Anthony when he was unemployed for that year and a half, y'all could kick some rocks. Everybody in New York knew the man could hoop. Everybody around the world knew the man could hoop. If you hoop, you knew Melo could still play. It was definitely political. For whatever reason, it. it I, I read an article or I read uh, something on Twitter. I always get them mixed up because I don't know if I clicked into something that turned into an article. Somebody said Melo really got released from the Rockets because D'Antoni was still salty that he caused him to get, caused him to get the boot in New York. That sounds a little petty. But it's realistic. It's possible. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's something that I wouldn't put it past. You know what I'm saying? Like, who 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 really knows what goes on politically in the NBA? Nobody. So, I mean, obviously we all know Melo could play. It didn't work out in OKC. He was only averaging maybe 14 to 15 points a game over there. I mean, he had two other players out there doing what they needed to do in Russell and, and, and Paul. He was kind of the third fiddle. It, it just... It wasn't working. He wasn't efficient in that system for uh, Scott Brooks, or should I say for Billy Donovan. Then he went over to uh, Houston, and it just he had a couple of games where he was lightning off the bench, and then others where he just struggled. I mean, his defense has always been a question mark, but that never took away from the offensive potential. I'm very surprised it took an NBA team this long to sign him, but he fits in with Portland. He really gives them a spark. He gives them that veteran intensity. Like, yo, let's get this done. That grittiness, that attitude, that mindset. And I think that Melo will help that team get to the next level. Mind you, he's only signed to the rest of the season, so who knows what happens at the end of the season. But I think Portland gets in. I think if Portland gets into the eighth seed against the Lakers, that is going to be a tough matchup. Not tough in the sense of the Lakers will lose, but I definitely think that the Lakers potentially have more of a losing chance against the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies because that means that Braun's going to have to guard Lillard or McCollum at one point because you're not going to go and put 
uh, well, Rondo's not there. You're not going to put Quinn Cook on him to get destroyed. You're not going to put Danny Green on him and then let CJ go off. Like, Ron's going to have to guard one of them at one point. And then Melo comes off the bench. I don't even know if he's starting in the bubble. But, you know, and now that Nursef Jerkic is back, Nursef Jerkic, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He out here hooping, so he's a problem. I don't know. I just, you know, I agree with a lot of the casters that are saying that the Lakers don't want to see Portland in the, in the first round. I think they'll give them a little bit more of a headache than people are bargaining for. So we'll see what happens. Again, I, I think Phoenix is the, the, the white horse to kind of come out of nowhere or the dark horse. I don't know the terminology exactly, but I am excited for the NBA playoffs. Like the Nuggets are hooping with Michael Porter Jr. I think that the Rockets... I hope that the Rockets fall apart. <laughs> I think that Russell and Harden just passed Kobe and Shaq for most dual points scored in a season. It's just kind of cool. Obviously, two of the most dominant players in NBA history and Kobe and Shaq, RIP Kobe. But for Harden and Russell to go and break that record, it's pretty cool. Um, the Jazz, I mean, in and out, up and down. It really depends on how Donovan Mitchell's doing. Not even Donovan's been hooping in the bubble, too. So it's, it's pretty much how the team falls around apart, uh, around him. The Thunder actually just lost last night. I saw that little bit of a blowout. Uh, and they played the Grizzlies. I think that was the Grizzlies' first win of the bubble. So that kind of helped them stay in the seat that they need to. But who knows? We don't know what's going to happen. Seeds 3 through 6 are pretty open. I can't say 7. I mean, the Mavericks still have the potential to move up. Because we're 41-30 and 30 at the 7th seed. The Thunder are 42-26, and 26, so that's a five-game spread right there. So I don't think we move up. But moving up from the Thunder, the fifth seed is the Jazz at 43-26, and 26, so they're a game behind for the fifth. The Rockets are 43-25, and 25, that's two games. And the Nuggets are 45-24. and 24. So I feel like the top three seeds are pretty much said and done if the Nuggets can keep it together to lock the three. But seeds four through six, definitely open game. Uh, all matchups would be phenomenal. I wouldn't mind seeing a Rockets Jazz matchup. I wouldn't mind seeing an actual rival or should I say a revenge matchup between Chris Paul and the Rockets and seeing him play James Harden for the four and the five. But the way that it's looking, if it were to end today, it would be a Lakers Grizzlies, Clippers Mavs, Nuggets Thunder, and a Rockets Jazz series. But thankfully it does not end today. We have another four games per each team. If not, if they played last night, uh, about three games each. So I'm excited. The NBA is in full swing. I'm hype. I'm happy. Um, competitive basketball is here. A lot of people are saying that you know whoever wins a championship in any sport during this hypothetical or not hypothetical in this complicated season that it's not going to count. And to that I say shut up. I genuinely tell you to shut up because these players are still going out there and playing at an efficient level. These players are going out there risking time away from their families. And they are busting their butt to achieve their ultimate goal, which is to win a championship. Watching these NBA games, I thought at first, you know, who knows? Are they going to play a lot of defense? Are they going to be as physical as they were, you know, before COVID? And they still are. People are diving for basketballs. People are playing rough defense. People are being aggressive. So for the for people to tell me that it, it, they don't see the intensity, they don't feel that it is what it used to be, I don't know if you're watching it or if you're just, you know, hearing it from another person. But the NBA is definitely busting their balls, not to mention, or busting their busting their ass. Busting balls means making fun of people, busting your chops. For those of you that are unaware, for those of you that are too young, um, 
the MLB is a little on the, on a different spectrum just because they still have to travel. Uh, the Cardinals are having their own COVID outbreak. So we're waiting to see what happens with baseball. Uh, the Marlins got theirs under control and, and they're actually like, I believe five and two or six and one. They're kind of one of the hotter teams in baseball. So you see the effort in baseball. I think baseball would be one of the easier sports to not have to have physical contact with another person just because the pitcher throws the baseball <laughs> and the only person that touches it from there is the catcher unless you're the umpire or the outfield. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not a lot of physical like sweat or whatever. It's, you can still contract it through that, but um, it's not like the NFL and the NBA where you're like jumping and sweating and sneezing and spitting and, you know what I'm saying, potentially bleeding on somebody where you can like catch it like that. But of course, the MLB is having their outbreaks per team, per clubhouse right now. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, football, the deadline for players to declare whether they're going to opt in or out of the season ended. And I believe only 64 total players opted out or decided to opt out. Goodell decided to change that deadline when players started to more consistently opt out. So he said, you know what? We need to know. Training camp's already underway. We just completed week one of the uh not off season, but of uh, getting back in of training camp for everybody because the season potentially starts early September. So with no preseason games, everyone needs every rep they can get, and we need to know who's playing and what roster spots are going to need to be available. So understandable situation. I just found it a little weird that he changed it right as bigger names, not massive, but bigger names started to opt out of the season. So We'll see what happens. We'll see if it even goes through. I mean, I think NFL facilities are taking the proper precautions, but we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it takes one player to contract it in a locker room of 53 people, 70-something total between, like I said, a couple episodes ago, training staff, uh, coaching, and everything like that. And then who, who knows what's going to happen. So I'm very curious to see how they how they decide to do it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, and the Rangers got swept in the NHL playoffs. So... There was my hockey experience. I didn't even get to watch a single game because they played the Hurricanes. And I I don't know. I wasn't really interested to begin with. But when I started seeing us losing a consistent 4-1, to 3-1, to <laughs> it was like, okay, maybe we're not ready yet. I actually saw a picture of Hen with Henrik Lundqvist. For those of you that don't know, that was the Rangers' longtime goalie. We don't know if Henrik is coming back. But the final image was him kind of upset that we, were, we, we lost the series the way that we did. And it, it, it kind of hurt, you know, watching hockey with my dad at a younger age. And then when we first moved to Florida, because we were just finding things to watch and finding ways to bond and stay together and stronger, you know, moving to another state sometimes can be a little bit of a struggle. Shout out to my girlfriend and her family. They did the same thing. So they know what that's like. But um, we were watching Ranger games for a while and we would watch every postseason together and then seeing us lose after the uh the quarantine ended it, it kind of sucked a little bit but again I, I don't watch hockey as intimately as I should and as intimately as I watch my other favorite sports so it is what it is um shout out to JP Sports just got this cool Tervis uh, I'm having one of those squirrel moments right now kind of veering off topic but I got this cool UNC Tervis keeping it in my girlfriend's house so it's kind of dope uh shout out to my girlfriend's parents for the present they got me for my license plate cover they got me a front plate for the Colts. Uh, Florida doesn't do front plates, so I exchanged it for a Yankee plate, and it looks kind of dope. But yeah, kind of made a random episode. No regrets. Kind of feels cool to make another one in the middle of the week, or at the end of the week, should I say. 
And uh, we still got another episode coming on Wednesday. Content is endless. Plenty of ideas, plenty of things coming up. Again, still trying to work on coordinating with Drew, the my barber that I gave a shout out to last week. Again, shout out to Masters Men's Grooming Service. If you need anything, need any haircuts, need a new barber, let me know. Hit me up. I'll give you their Instagram. They shouted uh, the cast out this week on their company Instagram. Uh, that is Masters Grooming Service. Spelled out completely. Follow them on IG. Follow them on Snapchat. Uh, like I said, hit me up. I'll pass you my barber's number along. Great, phenomenal barbershop. But uh, we'll see what happens going forward. And uh, appreciate you guys for listening. All the support. We're up to 34 listens on episode, what was it, 8 already in three days. Super happy, super grateful. Appreciate everybody that reposted and showed. But episode 9, here it is. And we got episode 10 coming on Wednesday. I'll be seeing y'all soon and talk to you later. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Acid Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.